Good evening. Good evening. Do I look suitably homeless? <laughs> oh my God. I look like somebody you should give in four bucks to as they give you half-eaten oranges by the side of the road. <laughs> oh my God. Is there anything worse than being married to Amber Heard? Uh, I think, yeah, the worst thing is trying to divorce her, I guess, right? I'm just making my mic up a bit here. Yeah, good Lord. What a mess, eh? Yeah, sorry for not... Not hitting the stream last night. Holy crap. Uh, literally, uh, I, I got a wicked stomach bug this week. I had one, I guess, I don't know, decades ago after I went to the Dominican Republic and ate some fruit that was uh, relatively laced with Satan. And uh, yeah, this week, man, though, it's been rough. You ever have that? You know, you're like, hey, I think I need to pass some wind. <laughs> guess I don't. <laughs> guess we're going in another direction. So yeah, you guys can hear all right, can we? Um. Just get me with the wire if everything's coming through okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, it's wild. I was, <laughs> I've never had this before. I don't want to get overly graphic or anything, but I'm <laughs> should really laugh. But, you know, it's like you just want to go to the washroom and it's like you're opening a shaken can of soda with an opening at both ends. It's like, oh, do you ever, have you ever had that? Like a stomach bug that just like... Oh, I think it's a little food poisoning. This should pass in a day or so. It's like, nope, no, it's just, I mean, I'm much better now and I'm almost back on the mend. But basically it's been, I just had my first half meal in like five days. So yeah, that's why last night I was like, I might be able to make it through a show or there might be some interesting sound effects as I slowly do this and jet up a little bit. So, oh, sounds like when you had E. coli, I've never had that. Or maybe I did, I don't know, but. Yeah, it was it was nasty, man. It was nasty. <laughs> I'm sorry he was eating when you said that. I'm sorry about that. This might not be the time for a burrito, my friends. <laughs> oh, my God. I really do look like a hobo. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Homeless Steph has broken into the office. Or as somebody said the other day when they said, do you have a YouTube channel? I said, no, but my evil twin does. Or did. So E. coli is rough. I had it once, too. Thanks to a hot pocket. Ooh, you became a hot pocket. Yeah, yeah, you know, they said by the 21st century, uh, we'd have jetpacks. Turns out, Monday night, they were right. There I was jetting around the place. Whew, best time to fast after a bug. Yeah, it turns out you actually don't need to eat. Did you know that? It's just, <laughs> apparently it's all marketing to sell you food. You just don't need to eat. So I didn't. And uh, yeah, anyway, real nice to chat with you guys. Let me just throw the stream around a couple of places and uh, we'll get started. Um, if you guys have any specific questions, I've been reading up on the Amber Heard. I did something on it a while, a while ago. And um, let me see here. Join my live stream. There we go. Uh, a long time ago. And uh, I mean, when you get, let me ask you this. Let me ask you guys this. When you meet new people, and they seem kind of nice and kind of interesting. Do you have that kind of countdown to crazy thing where it's like, you know, we're going to seem like we get along. We're going to seem like we're compatible until you start telling me about your personal life. And then it's like, uh, that kind of stuff. Yeah, his sister took the stand. Yes, yes, she did. And I not think she did not think she did a very good job. Oh, I've never seen him struggle with alcohol or drug dependency. What about that time you texted him about being concerned for his life because of his drug addiction? Oh, uh, yeah. Every time I've dated a woman over 30. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and okay, hit me with a why if you're like under 35, like you're watching this, you're under 35. Hit me with a why if you're under 35. Oh, this is like elderly charity for you guys. Oh, thank you for coming to my corner of the old age home. Okay, so for you guys, you don't really know that Johnny Depp was like the monster. He was like the the last monster megastar that I can really recall. Like he was just, I mean, he was in music and all of that. But when I was younger, he was like everywhere. He was ubiquitous. Sorry, I repeat myself. But yeah, he was all over the place and... He really was one hell of a star. Uh, and, of course, a pretty talented musician as well with his band, what, the Hollywood Vampires? <laughs> but he repeated himself. Um, so, yeah, it's... Um, uh, he was a huge brand. Uh, again, if you're younger, you probably only know him maybe from the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. But, you know, he was in, he was in a lot of really rad stuff. I never hugely loved him as an actor. Uh, you know, I'm a Brando guy because, you know, I was in theater school and that's just kind of obligatory uh, when it comes to acting. Almost no one beats him. Um, but he and actually Johnny Depp was in a movie with uh, Marlon Brando where he appeared to be a small moon orbiting the planet Jupiter because Marlon Brando got a little plumpkin later in life. I think he got kind of depressed after one of his kids was arrested for attempted murder or something like that. Anyway. But yeah, it's uh, it was kind of kind of rough all around. Uh, but yeah, he was he was a ubiquitous star. And um, if you're into the cheekbone thing, and you know the man had cheekbones for days. He, Johnny Depp, with that you know shock of hair, that smooth olive. Is he part native or something like that? He just he was absolutely like stunningly gorgeous. You know, I'm not gay, but if I had to choose, it'd be something like you know early late 80s Johnny Depp I mean I'm not saying he's aged like a uh, drag queen I mean like I'm one to talk because I look like the kind of guy who uh, uh, you'd be afraid to give quarters to at the moment but yeah because he, about, he's about my age I think or something like that right but uh, yeah he was absolutely like stunningly gorgeous and and very talented and it was interesting listening to his testimony about how he did some research for his characters um, talking about his sister had babies when he was doing Edward Scissorhands, so he wanted to make Edward Scissorhands have a baby look and all of that, which, again, I thought was a pretty dumb movie, but he was good in it. And you can totally see how he assembled this soup. He called it like a spicy soup of various characterizations, and it did a good job, did a good job. He's never struck me as a massively charismatic actor, but, I mean, he's so good-looking that y you almost don't care, I guess, like he's so, he was. Like, it's tough to know now. Uh, like, it, you know, you look at the later Brando, but when he was younger, Brando was a, a real hunkasaurus and a half, but uh, you wouldn't know that later. Obviously, Johnny Depp kept himself a little spicier and better than Brando did later on in life. But yeah, he was uh, a, a phenomenally talented guy. Uh, and that movie was gross, touching the food. <laughs> yeah. Well, but he, yeah, he's bloated. He's had... Yeah, uh, he did make jokes about assassinating Trump, which was obviously pretty terrible, and, although I think that's kind of de rigueur for a lot of this stuff in Hollywood. But yeah, it was, that was, that was pretty gross. And, you know, he's, he's a fairly monstrous human being, but like most monsters, right? Like most monsters. When you delve into the childhood, the monstrosity becomes comprehensible. 
the monstrosity becomes comprehensible. So we'll start with a little bit on, he's, he's half Indian or something like that, right? So, I'm sorry, I just jumped to my, I don't know why, it, okay. A Brando soft voice. Well, it's funny too, because yeah, if you listen to Brando in the, uh, you listen to Brando in the Godfather, he's like, it's very different voice, but he really must, he was much younger, right? But um, yeah, Brando, actually Brando had a pretty good singing voice when you see him when he was younger, he was a couple, couple of musicals and so on. He had a pretty flexible voice, which is a very real gift as an actor as well. So yeah, so Johnny Depp, I watched some of his testimony and we'll get into some of the details. And if there's, you know, more that you want me to focus on, let me, it, it, look, it is a fascinating tale, not just because he's famous and all of that, but because it, it's, it's his fame, his good looks, his staggering wealth, which appears to be largely gone, if not swallowed up in debt to the government by taxes or unpaid taxes or back taxes or something like that. It's such a morality tale of caution that we should all stop and look at it. Like looking at the life of Marilyn Monroe. I read her a biography recently or a biography of hers recently. It's really important because we're all kind of hypnotized by talent and wealth and beauty and fame and so on. And we do have a relationship with these actors. We do because we spend so much time watching them and our unconscious doesn't really get that it's a screen, right? I mean, your unconscious to some degree thinks that I'm in the room and look haggard and hungry, which I am. <laughs> but uh, so we, we have a relationship, right? I mean, I see you guys typing to me and it's like you're in a sense talking in the room, I'm talking to you. So there, there's an intimacy to this kind of conversation that really has been unequaled in, in history. And it's a, it's a long distance relationship, but we'll do our best to keep it platonic, right? So we do have a relationship with these people and their story arcs is the new modern mythology. Like he's the Icarus, uh, he's the Hermes, he is uh, in a sense the messenger of the gods, the gods being the people who control Hollywood. Uh, they're not gods of the upper world, to put it mildly. But yeah, he, he is the story arc and the story arc is, is very powerful. And the story arc of Johnny Depp goes something like this. Uh, he was born to a very abusive mother and a very passive father. His mother was an addict to what she called her nerve pills. And she would be con constantly asking Johnny to get her nerve pills from her handbag that was hanging over the door. And then around the age of 11, uh, he said, well, I feel pretty damn nervous. I'm going to start taking these nerve pills too. And then he got into all kinds of drugs in his teens, when he was 15, Johnny Depp's father drove like in a true, like, got a wife and kids in Baltimore, Jack. I went out for a ride and I never went back. And he just got and drove and left and never came back. And when Johnny came back uh, and, and his mother came back, his mother immediately was like, oh, my God, your father's left. And the father left without a word or a backward glance, it would seem, because, you know, apparently... The mother was just unbearable to live with. She was violent. She was cruel, verbally abusive, just tore shreds off people like one of these really ghastly succubi of a woman. <laughs> no flash forward, folks, no flash forward. And his mother fell into such a depression that she ended up being admitted to the hospital after lying on the couch uh, for months, uh, and she weighed like 70 pounds. At least this is what he says. So quite the opposite of what's eating Gilbert Grape, where uh, his mother in the movie could barely fit into a Cadillac. So, you know, we, we see this, this predatory, violent woman 
who, look, without a doubt, or at least with very little doubt, Johnny Depp's mother was a beautiful woman or a very attractive woman because he gets his lineage from somewhere. His, his facial structure doesn't emerge out of nowhere. Uh, my mother, I, I have a nice facial structure, I think, and my mother was very attractive. Uh, she was beautiful, I think, when she was younger. I certainly didn't get it from my father, who looked a little bit like collapsed porridge. But um, so Johnny Depp's mother was beautiful, and beauty is very often the price that we pay for a negative personality. Like men are willing to overlook a negative personality for the sake of beauty, right? It's called the crazy heart matrix. I'm sure you're aware of it. It's not that all beautiful women are crazy or that all crazy women are beautiful, but there's a tendency. <laughs> there's a tendency. And one of the most dangerous and damaging things to exist on this planet outside of Wuhan is a woman who is beautiful and was severely abused as a child. Because then you have power with pathology. And power plus pathology, they're like the local politicians, uh, the local fascists of the dating world. It's unbelievably dangerous, and you must always, always, always be on your guard against this. Because, of course, Johnny Depp started his life under the thumb and control and destructive abuse of a dangerous and pathological woman, by his claims. And then... Um, where has he ended his career and his last six years, as he says, has been really pretty much a disaster. His life is now destroyed by these allegations that Amber Heard has put against him of being a sexual assaulter and a wife beater and so on. And he started his life under the control of a beautiful, violent, destructive, abusive woman. And now he is ending his life under the control of a beautiful, destructive, violent woman. Again, this is according to reports. None of this is fact. With the courts, well, I mean, the British court a couple of years ago did uphold Amber Heard's um, defense of truth, or rather, it was the son's defamation defense that it was true. Uh, so the allegations of him being a wife beater were upheld in a British court. Uh, which is why, but but neither neither Amber Heard nor Johnny Depp were being sued at that time, and it was not a criminal trial. Uh, now, uh, my understanding is that, I mean, isn't he, he's suing her for $50 million, she's counter-suing him for $100 million, and uh, it's uh, pretty much a disaster as a whole. <laughs> I'm on your TV. Steph, forehead exposed in 4K. Yes, one day soon I will, I will try a 4K live stream <laughs> so you can see every gritty pore. Every gritted pool. Two of the three most beautiful women I dated fit the hot, crazy hot matrix. Uh, how's your keto going? Uh, I, I declined to go on keto while being turned inside out slowly, like a kid searching for that last shred of the inside of an orange when cut in half. I declined to do that. I'll start keto soon, I'm sure. And 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 the way so the way that the way that the crazy the hot crazy crazy matrix which has been known, you know, Helen of Troy, right? The, the face that launched a, a thousand ships. This is a woman so beautiful that men went to war over her. So the crazy heart matrix has been known since antiquity, and the only way to restrain it is with monogamy, right? That the woman has to choose when she's in her youth and beauty, and then she has uh, a bunch of kids, and, and she has manual labor, and it scours away some of her beauty, and uh, then it sort of shaves her down to some saneness, right? Beauty is a... Um, it's like a stage of a rocket. You're not just, you're supposed to burn it up to get to the upper atmosphere called having children, right? But if you don't really do that, although I think Amber Heard has children now, but so Amber Heard is smoking hot. Let's call a spade a spade. Well, this is a collision of two great hairdos, right? Uh, Johnny Depp has great hair for a guy 
and um, not not as great as, as uh, Brad Pitt's, but uh, Johnny Depp has great hair, and Amber Heard has you know truly stupendously great hair. And uh, you know, there's a price you pay for protein strands. What can I tell you? So. The pro biggest problem with women is there's no alternative. There is an alternative with men called the state. Uh, well, there is an alternative for women called pornography, right? I mean, I know that occurs for men and for women, but... Um, Amber is 38 now. She can thank her Botox and filler. Well. All right, don't hate on women. The problem is the state. The problem is not women. You don't blame the slave for being lazy, and you don't blame women for the effects of the state. Keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eye on what is actually going on and what where the real problems are. It's with the state, not with the women. Don't let the state turn you against women. That's uh, missing the gate. So, so, yeah, Johnny Depp, I think they were only married for like 18 months or whatever, and it was a giant mess of a marriage uh, at one point. The stories are a little bit unclear, but at one point the claim is that she threw, I think, twice a vodka bottle at him. It caught him, it shattered, caught his finger and, and sliced his fingertip off. And then he has a personal doctor and a personal nurse. He called his personal doctor and said, Doc, you got to help me. I can't find my fingertip. Tell me what I need to do. I will do anything except go to the emergency room. Right? So his doctor was like, okay, I'll come treat you. He did treat him, took him to the emergency room. And then eventually... I don't know the whole story, but eventually a cook found the tip of Johnny Depp's finger on the floor of a kitchen, and they took it to the hospital and reattached it. Hopefully it wasn't hot dog or something like that. I'm sure it's not. So he did get it back, but that did delay filming. You know, other dirt that's coming up as well, of course, is that Johnny Depp has had problems with alcohol and drug abuse off and on for a lot of his adult life. Now, he claims for a long time he was sober. He was in a movie, Donnie Brasco, uh, I think, where he played an FBI agent. He had to put on like 30 pounds of muscle. Uh, and um, so he was, you know, pretty clean for all of that, but he's sort of on and off the wagon kind of stuff. And at one point he signed a waiver, or an insurance waiver, that Disney required for Pirates of the Caribbean 4, saying, you know, have you used any illicit substances over the last, illegal substances over the past 12 months? And he said no. And then there's text between him and I think Paul Bettany, another actor, uh, talking about drugs. And, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's pretty rough. So she's claimed a lot of abuse. And there is audio. I played it on the show some time ago. I won't play it now, but I'll just sort of mention it, right? So there is audio of Johnny Depp and Amber Heard having an argument where she's basically saying, stop being such a baby. I hit you. I didn't punch you. Because she said, he said, I guess you punched me. And she's like, oh, stop being such a baby. I only hit you. I didn't punch you. And it's just like, oh, I mean, it's, it's, it's a literally lifting a lid, looking down deep into hell itself, like deep into hell itself. It's absolutely horrible to hear this kind of stuff. And uh, so as far as patterns go, it's it's horrible, right? And, and it shows you, like, the amount of money that Johnny Depp earned was unbelievable. Um, if I remember right, it was over a billion dollars. Let me just, let me just check the net 
earnings or something like that. Was it 1.5? It was truly mental how much money he made. Um, so what have we got here? Um, he owed five million pounds just on the British lawsuit and in legal fees. Plus, he would, I assume, have to pay a bunch of legal fees for for his opponents and so on. Uh, and, and do you know the origin story? Because he was talking about this in the trial. I didn't know the origin story. Um, so when he was sixteen, Depp dropped out of high school to become a rock musician. He went on to play guitar in a band called The Kids. And. Um, the way that he got started in acting was his friend, who happened to be Nicolas Cage, said, you know, you could be an actor. I think you could be an actor. And took him to meet his uh, uh, Nicolas Cage agent. And I guess Nicolas Cage's agent looked at Johnny Depp and was like, man, you're so pretty. I sure hope you can act because you're gorgeous. And they sent him on an audition to Nightmare on Elm Street, which is where he got his first role, where he was paid, I don't know, 1200 bucks a week, which is all the money in the world for an aspiring rock musician in Los Angeles in his early 20s or whatever. And it was, um, he ended up doing that for a while, basically with the hope and goal of just continuing to get back to music. But, you know, as he continued to do well um, in his uh, movie career, he didn't really do any of that. So let's see here. Um, then he did 21 Jump Street, um, never saw it. Cry Baby, saw it, completely forgettable film. Edward Scissorhands, boring. What's Eating Gilbert Grape was a great introduction to Leonardo DiCaprio. Donnie Brasco, completely forgettable. I watched one of the Pirates of the Caribbean, entertaining and completely forgettable. Uh, I don't know anything about the Fantastic Beasts. Is that a Dumbledore thing? I don't know. So, yeah, so the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise made him a total of 300 million dollars and uh yeah it's uh it's pretty wild so let's see here so i'm just trying to figure out I, i'm gonna sort of get this kind of rough right um in interview with vanity fair in 2011 he said he was overpaid for the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Basically, if they're going to pay me the stupid money right now, I'm going to take it. I have to. I mean, it's not for me. Do you know what I mean? At this point, it's for my kids. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. But ultimately, is it for me? No. No, it's for the kids. Uh, he also told the magazine that there was a part of me that needs to have this kind of stimulation to the brain when it comes to his when it came to his finances. So that was crazy money just crazy money and then he was set up to play fantastic beasts uh, playing gellert grindelwald the dark wizard yeah this ain't shakespeare exactly right uh oh did he play oh gosh there were two fantastic beasts movies so he played that and then he resigned because of the controversy from his uh from his ex-wife um So the Hollywood Reporter confirmed in 2020 that Johnny Depp was paid $16 million for the third Fantastic Beast film despite only filming one scene before getting fired because he has a pay-or-play contract requires he be fully compensated whether or not the film is made or if he's recast. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy. So, yes, he, I won't get into all of this, but he just made a truly staggering amount of money and as far as I understand it, he lost some money 
uh, quite a bit of money. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. 2017, he sued his management company, the Management Group, accru accused them of gross mismanagement and at times outright fraud. Um, alleged in court, the firm caused him to lose tens of millions of dollars and rack up more than $40 million in debts by failing to file his property taxes on time, making unauthorized loans and overpaying his security and other services. Uh, the company countersued debt and blah, blah, blah. So Depp spent more than $3.6 million a year on 40 full-person, full-time staff, $30,000 per month on wine. Well, well Amber is not cheap. 150000 per month on bodyguards. Well, that probably makes sense given his level of wealth and, and $200,000 per month on private jet travel. He, he's <laughs> in love. The site also reported that Johnny Depp spent more than $75 million on 14 homes around the world including a chateau in France, a farm in Kentucky, and several islands in the Bahamas. Was it Napoleon said? Doesn't matter how rich you are, you can only ever, you can only ever eat one meal a day, uh, one, one dinner a day. It's the same thing. No matter how wealthy you are, you can only ever live in one place at a time. Just <laughs> so his entire real estate portfolio is worth $100 million. He has got several yachts, 45 cars, 12 storage facilities filled with memorabilia, an art collection that includes works by artists like Andy Warhol. Andy Warhol was not an artist. He was barely a vandalist. He was barely a arsonist. Uh, let's see. Uh, Depp once spent $5 million on ashes of journalist Hunter S. Thompson fired from a cannon off a tower. Well, you know, as long as you're sending, spending your money sensibly, why not? Yeah, I, I have nothing but unbelievable hatred and contempt for Andy Warhol. It's barely graffiti. Graffiti is better. Uh, Andy Warhol was there simply to destroy art, not to actually create anything at all. He was just hired by nihilists and Marxists to destroy the concept of beauty and art and turns fucking soup cans into things that people consider beautiful. Oh, look, I made Marilyn Monroe weird colors. I'm a genius. No, it's just money laundering and cultural destruction. Anyway, so, yeah, I mean, I think he's still quite a bit in debt. And... I think now, if he's a lot in debt for unpaid taxes, I mean, this can be pretty serious. A lot of artists get swept up into this kind of stuff, right? If you end up a lot in debt for unpaid taxes and your reputation gets toasted, right? I mean, it's almost like if, if, the, if the allegations are false. And I think we'll find out more about these allegations in this trial than we did in the British trial, uh, the, the truth of these allegations. So if the allegations that he's a wife beater and a sexual assaulter are false, or at least if they're not proven to be true in this case, then by, if she knew of his money troubles, which I imagine she did, and then she destroys his reputation, she could just be aiming to get him thrown in jail, right? I mean, this, this could be the level of vengeance or whatever happened in their relationship, or whatever didn't happen in their relationship. Because, mm, I mean, vengeful women are a deadly force in this world. I mean, vengeful men too, don't get me wrong, but vengeful women are just a, a terrifying force in this world. I mean, my mother, my God, I mean, I know this up front, up close and personal. My mother... Gosh, every year or two, she would drag me to some crappy restaurant in the Don Mills Mall, and we would sit there eating greasy fish and chips, and she would obsessively scribble down 
all the bills she was going to force my father to pay. This was 12, 13, 14 years after they divorced. Well, yeah, no, I was a baby when they divorced. So, yeah, this was her thing. This was her thing. Her vengeful nature, I'll never know the truth, of course. I mean, one of them's dead, the other's crazy, but my parents. But, I mean, I'm pretty sure that my mother's vengeful nature is one of the reasons my, my father had to flee to Africa, where he lived. Now, he was a geologist, so there wasn't a lot of gold exploration in Ireland or England. But this vengefulness, that, that this entitlement is unbelievably brutal. Unbelievably brutal. So, uh, let's see here. Why is defamation an important legal point? Why not other things? I'm sure I don't quite understand that question. Oh, he did a movie called In Hell? Yeah, yeah, he did. I should play a pirate. Don't I want $300 million? I'm afraid there is no amount of money that would make me work with Disney. Absolutely not. His management company must have been listening to Jim Cramer. Oh, one day while I'm feeling suicidally brave, I'll tell you my theory about Jim Cramer. Uh, if I had a billion dollars, how would I spend that money? I don't know, personally. I mean, I don't. I don't know why that's an interesting question. <laughs> I really don't. Um, but Jackson Pollock is a genius, Steph. All those splotches. Well, Jackson Pollock is just another person... They're like the postmodernists in philosophy. They're there to destroy so that destruction can spread, right? Velvet Underground were the same, in your opinion. Well, a lot of the stuff that went on back in the day, right? a lot of the stuff that went on in the 60s and the 70s was uh, deconstructionism. I mean, the Foucault on philosophy and, and um, Pollock on painting and, and the um, soul... Uh, sorry, Samuel Beckett in, in theater and so on. Just undoing everything. Just completely undoing everything. You'd love to hear the Jim Cramer story. Mm, I'm sure you would. Uh, communist art, I just make you to feel dead inside. Yeah, I mean, you have to destroy beauty because beauty is something you'll fight to protect. When my father owned property, no one was ostracized for speech. Once my mother and sister owned property, they ostracized me for speech. Ostracism hurts so much. Attempted murder, even. Yeah, ostracism, as you know, um, can um, provoke the same pain stimulus in the brain as as physical torture. So, yeah, it is definitely, it is definitely rough. So, uh, hit me with a why. If you believe in non-allegorical demons, have you ever seen a John Waters film? I think I've studiously avoided those because anybody with a mustache like that, I steer clear of. Okay, if you believe in, like, literal demons, like demons out there, you know, like, not necessarily that you can summon with horns, but demons out there, you mean my mom? Okay, well, no, like, evil spirits that uh, influence and tempt human beings. Do you think Amber could be wrangled into a good wife, or was she basically damaged goods? You don't know. Okay, so it's, yeah, 50-50, right? 50-50. Because, yeah, part of what I want to say involves this issue. Involves this issue. Do you think Amber could be wrangled into a good wife, or was she basically damaged goods? Well, here's the challenge, right? So, look, they're both damaged goods. 
they're both damaged goods. Now, here, here's the thing that happens with these conversations. And if anybody who's ever had divorced parents, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So what happens in these conversations, the same thing happened with Russia, Ukraine. And, and when, when there's a conflict, we are driven. I mean, it's a biological survival mechanism, really. We are driven to champion one side and demonize the other, right? That is, that is what happens. It happened with Michael Jackson. It's happening with, with the, the, the Johnny Depp thing and Amber, uh, Amber Heard. And it's happened just, we're driven to, you know, one side are pure heroes, pure virtue, and the other side are pure evil, pure villains, right? The, the, and the reason we're, we, we do that is that it gives us a 50-50 chance of surviving, right? So let's say tribe A, tribe B in a big fight, right? A big fight with each other. If you don't side with either, whoever wins will kill you for not taking their side. But if you side with one of them and that one wins, you'll live. If the other one wins, you'll die, but you have a much greater chance of winning if you side with one rather than the other. So whenever we see a conflict, we are inevitably drawn. It's a very powerful, deep emotional drive, a survival mechanism, really. We are drawn to a truly like black and white bipolar schizoid thinking, right? That, that one side is perfectly good, the other side is perfectly evil. Now, once we have that in our mind as a framework, it tends to become a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? So if you believe that Johnny Depp is a, a put-upon, noble, heroic victim of the endless violations of men's rights by the modern feminist Democrat matriarchy, then you will look at all of the things that make him a victim and you will look at all of the things that make her a monster and it will just become a self-reinforcing thing, right? Uh, and, and so uh, if you believe that, that Michael Jackson was, was a, a, a pedophile, uh, then you will look for all of the, the documentaries and, and so on which will affirm that. And then if you don't believe that he was, then you will look at the things that deny that. And we, we're really, it's, it's hard to get any kind of truth and, and this is something that's really the survival mechanism of pick a side or die. Because it's what it is. In history, it's pick a side or die. That's the way it is. You don't pick a side, whichever side wins will kill you. You do pick a side, you got a 50-50 chance. And so we tend to, whenever a conflict, you've got to notice this in yourself. I mean, it's in me, it's in you, it's in everyone. The moment a conflict is announced, there will be unbelievable pressure for you to choose the good side and the bad side, the, the, the virtuous side and the evil side. You can see this with the vaccines and the vaccine uh, advocacy and vaccines, vaccine skepticism, right? Uh, on, you know, there's that meme of, you know, the, the noble Roman-looking guy with the beard and the, the hair, haircut um, is looking at the guy in the triple mask. You know, so the unvax is looking at the guy in the triple mask and they're both saying, why aren't you dead yet? <laughs> because we are trained to polarize and dehumanize the other. I mean, we're evolved, we're trained. And this is why it's very hard to get any kind of nuance and balance in any rational history of human conflict, right? If you talk about, oh, this country, uh, A, was the most evil country who just did all these terrible things throughout history, and it's like, okay, do you, do you want to find out any reasons why they did these things? Not to justify, but to understand. No, because even studying why they did these things is a way of justifying it, and therefore you're siding with them. It's very hard to get any kind of objective history at all, because we are so drawn into polarization as a survival mechanism that it's, it's virtually impossible to avoid. And this reason I said this about 
if you're divorced, you know exactly what I'm talking about because you sit down with your mom and you listen to her talk about your dad. And you're like, oh my God, he was a real bastard, right? And then you sit down with your dad and hear him talk about your mom. And usually the dads are nicer than the moms for various reasons. Not always, but usually. Maybe it's 5149, but... And then you listen to your... If your dad's, you know, honest and up front, you say, oh my God, yeah, she was a bitch or whatever, right? And it's very hard. And this polarization, you know, as a, as a species that evolved in, in a time or in most of our evolutionary history, in fact with the tiny exception of the modern slice of the world to some parts of the world, almost all of our evolution was um, br brutal violence, want, scarcity, tribalism, right? So we have to go, and this is particularly true for women. So a woman is in tribe B, tribe B gets conquered by tribe A. Tribe A. Okay, what happens to the men? The men get killed. What happens to the women? The women get taken as wives, brides, concubines, or whatever, right? Because the tribe that's running out of women, for whatever reason, maybe they died in childbirth or whatever, right? The, the tribe that's running out of women will go and conquer another tribe and will take the women as uh, sexual slaves and sexual prisoners, right? And this is, no, this is not a moral judgment. This is simply how the genes work, how survival works. The woman whose tribe gets conquered has a choice. She can try and fight these skilled warriors, in which case she'll die and her genes will die with her, or she can switch her new loyalties to the new tribe, men, right? Uh, she can always survive by landing on her back, right? And again, this sounds contemptuous. I don't mean this is a horrible thing for women to go through, but they found a way to adapt it. So women have to have latent within them a love of violence, or at least a capacity to put up with violence because violence characterized so much of human history that any woman who would never have any sexual relations with a violent man just didn't survive. <laughs> that didn't survive. So, and, and if you want to know just how powerful women's latent desire for violence is in men, uh, just look at Fifty Shades of Grey, the most popular novels that have ever been written, the most profitable novels, I think, that have ever been written. And yeah, I mean, Ayn Rand wrote about it as well. And she was constantly lambasted for, it, lambasted for it. And, of course, it turns out that this is a deep thing. Now, we can say that this is kink. That it's just survival. You just look at it from, a, you know, the, the space alien biologist, single eye, your spaceship neighbor is called blah, 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 or something like that, right? It's just every now and then your tribe's going to get conquered by other men. And you're going to have to find a way to survive and raise your children and have your genes in this new environment. And... That's what you did. And so women have to be able to sever their emotional bonds to hate what they used to love and to love what they used to hate. Or to be repelled by that which they were attracted to and to now be attracted to by that which they were repelled before, right? And, and again, this is a, a grim just reality of human evolution. There's no pluses, no minuses, no moral judgment. This is just how... The world evolved, right? Because, you know, you've got some guy who's the father of your children and there's some other guy and they're, they're fighting over you. And if the, you, want your, you want the father of your children to win, for sure. But if he loses, you've got to find a way to, to get with the new guy. Maybe he'll let some of your kids live. Maybe he won't, but you'll have new kids with him. Then your genes, like, those are the genes that get passed along. You've got to understand this. 
got to understand this. Like men have the capacity for intense competition followed by friendliness, right? Which is sports and then a handshake afterwards, right? Being a good sport and all that. And women generally will hold grudges for a long time. So you have to understand that women, again, as a whole, it's latent. And, you know, the moral women and the good women, and it's not a factor, right? But in terms of the nature of femininity, how it has evolved, it has to go from hate to love and from love to hate. That's just an evolutionary reality. When you're in a primitive state, like these two people were, they're in a primitive state of, of human development. I mean, they're both kind of savages in a way, right? So the fact that she goes from he's the greatest person in the world to I wish to destroy him, you understand, this part of the fe- pendulum of the primitive female nature. And there's, you know, there's a pendulum for the primitive male nature too. So like I'm not t- uh, trying to denigrate women in any way, shape, or form here. Just You've got to understand the evolutionary pressures that are going on here. Yeah, look at uh, Jada Smith making Will punch Chris. Well, whether she did or not, I think there was some factor in it for sure, right? Sure, Anne Rice? Yeah. All right, so hang on about the atheism and the demons and the God thing, right? Just hang in there, hang in there. Women are miserable nowadays. You can tell just at a glance. Well, if you get what you want, you better have the personality to survive that, right? If you get what you want. And women have gotten what they want out of the modern state, and it's making them miserable. Now, of course, Christianity and most of the major religions have a great answer for that, which is the devil will tempt you with what you think you want, but will actually make you miserable. That's the story. Like, (laughs) beware of Greeks bearing gifts. Beware of Satan bearing rewards. Right? So... You've got to be really careful with people who offer you stuff. You know, I, I remember this when I was a little kid. I, mean, I was in Canada already, so I must have been 11 or 12. My mom took me to one of these home shows because there's nothing more than an 11-year-old boy loves to do than sit in a mall where his mom tries on endless dresses she's never going to buy and takes him to home shows. <laughs> anyway. Um, and anyway, we had these home shows, and one of these, you know, cheesy Herb Tolic-style salesmen you know, gave me, looked like a 50 pound, a $50 note, like staggering amount of money, right? I, I got a, a job that year making $2.60 an hour. So yeah, this is like crazy amount of money. And it looked like he'd just given me 50 bucks. I thought, oh my God, I've, I've won some prize. I, I, maybe I was the hundredth person to pass. Right, right. Turns out it was, you know, just folded over. It was just like just a little piece of a $50 bill. It wasn't a real $50 bill, but you know, he got us to stop and chat with him by fake giving us something, right? So he got our attention in return for my my greed, basically, and, and desire for the unearned. And you, don't you always, you know, Nigerian prince stuff, you know, in your spam box, you know? I, I'm, I'm from the International Bank of Swaziland, and I, I wish to tell you I have a $3.6 million transfer. All I need is your bank details. It's like, sure, that's going to come out of nowhere. So we used to have a great deal of skepticism. And, and when I grew up, there was a lot of like, nothing comes for free and anyone who offers you something for free, uh, you're going to pay for it somehow and nothing's as expensive as stuff that just comes free. And, you know, all these people who <laughs> hit me with a why if you ever got tempted or were sucked into one of these um, part ownership of a condo will really save you money on vacation. <laughs> you ever get you ever get into one of those? Hit me with a why if, uh, if you ever did get... Tempted by, not even, 
hey, it's a free breakfast. Okay, well, you know, timeshares, yeah, timeshares, that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, I, uh, I, uh, well, you're better than me for that. <laughs> you're better than me. So, you know, my, your grandma bought a timeshare when you were kids, yeah. Yeah, it's tempting, and, and I, I've even known people who have bought timeshares, and they're like, oh, yeah, well, we barely ever go because it turns out we just wanted to go different places. Or they'll offer you these timeshares. It's like, you can go anywhere in the world, and it's like, you know, but stars, you have to pay 300 bucks per booking, and all this kind of stuff, right? There's no free magic, right? There's no free magic. Like all the people who were like, well, yeah. clearly, I mean, in the 1960s, if you went to university, you ended up with double the income. It's like, so if we get more and more people to go to university, they'll all end up with double the income. It's like, no. <laughs> That's like saying a uh, um, gallon costs this much per liter. Uh, sorry, uh, a gas costs this much per gallon. And if we quadruple the, the, the production of gas without increasing the supply, uh, without increasing the demand, it'll all be the same price. We'll make a fortune. It's like, no, you won't, because now you've just supplied a whole bunch more people with degrees into the market. that will just drive the price down, right? Or, or for... Um, women to say, well, you, you can go into the workplace and you'll make money. It's like, well, you're just driving down the wages of the men who would otherwise be your husbands. You don't end up making more money, but you will pay more in taxes. So, Yeah, there used to be this whole skepticism about getting stuff for free because of that very danger, right? So, I mean, Johnny Depp got everything he wanted. Amber Heard got everything she wanted, right? They were both, I mean, she was not nearly as big a movie star as he was, but, you know, she was in movies, and she was recognized for her beauty. And she's, yeah, she's a beautiful woman for sure. And he was recognized for his beauty and his talent and so on, which again, never seemed staggeringly great to me, but he was a good actor, for a solid actor, I guess. And that free stuff is uh, very dangerous. I mean, all the people who win the lottery, most of the people who win the lottery end up with complete disasters for lives, without a doubt. Or... You know, you can be happy by thinking for yourself and going through self-knowledge and confronting your demons and outgrowing your past and all that. Or you can be a mask-wearing, virtue-signaling conformist who yells at other people out of a false sense of virtue and attacks people who you know for sure will never fight back and conform to everyone who might pose any kind of danger to you and call yourself virtuous. Well, so yeah, he got everything he wanted. I mean, he basically was the biggest movie star and one of the richest artists on the planet. And uh, she achieved great success uh, in, in her career. I think she came from a pretty, I don't know much about her childhood. If you know anything, let me know. But I don't know much about her childhood. Uh, I'll look that up for another time. I was just listening to his testimony. I don't think she's done much testimony yet, if any. But they got what they wanted. And when you get what you wanted, you run out of excuses to be miserable, and then you're just miserable. You understand this, right? If you get what you want... You run out of excuses to be miserable. And then, if you're still miserable, you're doomed. It's a really important thing to understand. If you say, oh, the problem is I don't have enough money, then you inherit a million dollars, right? Okay, you don't have any money worries. What if you're still miserable? Oh, it's because i got to lose 20 pounds. Okay, you lose your 20 pounds. Got a million dollars and you're 20 pounds lighter. What if you're still miserable? I don't have abs, okay? Do a million sit-ups, get your abs. You understand, if you keep chasing this stuff, any excuse not to be happy in the here and now, it's just an excuse not to be happy in the here and now. Sorry, that's kind of tautological, but it's really important to understand. 
Anything where you say, well, I'll be happy when this problem is solved. I'll be happy when this is achieved. I'll be happy when I get this or have won that or have achieved something, right? You're just postponing the unhappiness and making it worse in the future. And this is how you get on this treadmill, right? This ever-escalating treadmill of hyper-achievement. Elon? No, I don't know. But you can't postpone happiness until all your problems are solved because the only time all your problems are solved is when you're dead. Well, then you can be happy when you're not even here, right? You have to have to take it now. Now, for these people, there was some way in which they were going to postpone their happiness until when? Until what? Until they were the ultimate Hollywood power couple? Until she got an Oscar? Until what? What? I mean, he had a terrible childhood, lashings of verbal abuse. And he said, and I think anybody who suffered through a lot of verbal abuse will tell you that it's the verbal abuse that really sticks with you because the physical stuff just comes and goes. Your body heals, you move on, and you recognize that it's a bad thing. The verbal abuse, like, you know, it, it steams into it, brands your brain, and you've really got to work around it or through it or with it for the rest of your life. But you can't, you know, if your parent breaks your arm, you can be somebody whose arm is broken, your arm gets back to normal, right? But if somebody just bends and burns your brain with lashings of verbal abuse, it reshapes who you are. And then you can't ever be somebody who that wasn't done to. You can heal from a physical injury, usually. But the emotional stuff, it's like what they say about uh, the, the, the court system, right? You can beat the rap, but you can't beat the riot. You might be able to get a not guilty, but you can't, you can't ever be the person who never went through that process, right? Yeah, Paris Hilton said she'll be happy once she got a hundred, uh, got to a billion dollars, and no, it's just, yep, yep, yep. Um, well, so Johnny Depp said about Amber Heard that the first year, eighteen months, she she pulled like a full fast chameleon on him. Right, you know the chameleon thing, right? The, the girl who can pretend to be normal and, until it all comes crashing down. So he said, yeah, first year, maybe 18 months, I thought she was perfect for me. Warm, funny, kind, caring, blah, blah, because she's an actress, right? So she played the part of a caring girlfriend pretty, pretty well. But then when they would get into fights and she would get aggressive, he would try to leave, and according to him, and according to the therapist too, uh, that she would use physical violence to try and keep him, right? To keep him in there, right? To keep him in there. Yeah, winning, it, it, it amplifies your current situation. Yeah. It, 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 success simply makes your life more of whatever it is. Was she a lesbian before she married him? Uh, all right. Yeah, I mean, my my guess would be sexual abuse in, in childhood. Um, and especially, you know, this is another reason why. It's not just, oh, well, pretty women are crazy. It's like you understand that the the pedophiles that are not an inconsequential factor in society, the, the pedophiles, uh, of course, if you're a beautiful girl who's in a dysfunctional environment, with, particularly with no father present, uh, they're going to they're gonna prey on you pretty hard, right? So... 
Okay, so let's talk a little bit about, does happiness make one complacent? No, I mean, don't, don't be scared of happiness. <laughs> don't, don't look for the downsides of happiness. Don't, um, yeah, don't, don't, don't think that happiness is like a bad thing or has a, is a problem or whatever. Like, well, what if I enjoy being happy and then it gets taken away? It's like, it's going to get taken away anyway. You're going to die. You're going to get old. Trust me, I'm looking at myself now. Yeah, you're going to get old, right? So, oh, Picasso? Oh, again, total trash, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, an unbelievably appalling human being as well. And I don't know, separate the artist from the artist. Like, no, I won't thank you very much because I know I am an artist. I've written some great novels. I was an actor. I was a director, screen, uh, a, play, a playwright, a poet. I know a little bit, I know a little thing or two about creation. And you cannot separate the artist from the work. Everything you are as an artist, everything you are as a human being informs your choices and focus in your art. And when you look, and I've studied enough plays and enough poets, I took entire courses on these things in theater school, I did half an English literature degree, I've read, I don't know how many thousands of novels, I've written six novels and hundreds of poems and 30 plays, and I know a little bit, I've, I've directed and produced my own plays, I've acted on stage, played the lead in a Shakespeare, like I know a little bit about these things. And you cannot separate the artist and his personality from the art. You get cold-eyed sociopaths like Hemingway. They produce cold-eyed sociopathic literature that is a massive attempt to spread sociopathy. The same thing with F. Scott Fitzgerald. You get uh, childless workaholics like Ayn Rand. They produce a lot of childless workaholics. Greatest evil work of art you know of? Well, that's a, that's a good question. I tend to avoid, I mean, most modern novels are just an unrelenting horror show designed to f degrade and shit on the human spirit from dawn till dusk. So I'd really have to, have to think about that. So, well, and you understand that the artists themselves say that if they become... Marxists, uh, leftists, then they, everything is for the revolution. Yeah, when they the the piss Christ, right? They, they lowered Jesus into urine. Unbelievable, unbelievable. Was there a high school in in America that that they can't have a Christian school? But I think they're going to get sued if they don't allow a Satan after school club. So I'll tell you a little bit about the the sort of Johnny Depp. This is all pure speculation, and it, some of it's metaphysical speculation so you know this is not any any attempt at, at biographical accuracy or fact accuracy and so on right but johnny depp you you be careful be careful what you think be careful who you associate with and be careful what you express now for those of you who are my religious friends genuine friends thank you for being here this is literal. For those of you who are my atheist friends, genuine friends, thank you for being here. This is psychological. You can think of it as Jungian. It's an archetype. 
It's an unconscious manifestation. But I'll talk about it in as powerful a manner as I can. Who was Johnny Depp friends with? People like Marilyn Manson. And I think that we all, while we have sympathy for a lot of female victims, may not find massive amounts of sympathy for the victims of Marilyn Manson and his frozen meat locker of a bedroom, where, according to reports, he tortured women. And yes, Johnny Depp was friends with Marilyn Manson. They did cocaine together. And at one point, Johnny Depp said that he gave a pill to Marilyn Manson just so Marilyn Manson would stop talking so much. So if you're in the company with a kabuki-faced freakazoid from another dimension and you need to drug him to shut him up, you're not living your best fucking life, okay? That's just a fact. Johnny Depp had a, was in a band, right? I got this right, didn't I? Called the Hollywood Vampires. <sighs> Westminster 3? What is that? It's not that I don't trust you. Westminster 3, Johnny Depp? What is the story there? No, can't find it easily. I'm not saying you're wrong. Just don't, can't find it easily. Three teenagers that killed three 10-year-olds. Johnny Depp helped get them out. Again, I can't confirm that. That's just what someone's saying. I couldn't find it easily, so I can't get behind that. But I'm not saying you're wrong. I just can't confirm it. Now, think of this man with his multi-decade career. Do you think he knew nothing about Harvey Weinstein? Do you think he knew nothing? Well, wasn't he friends with Roman Polanski? I mean, do you think that Johnny Depp never heard or saw anything of the truly demonic underbelly of certain aspects of Hollywood? Come on. If you keep praising the demons, if you keep hanging out with the demons, if you keep being friends with the demons, if you keep thinking the demons are cool, in other words, if you keep avoiding your own childhood demons by normalizing the demons in the here and now around you, you can only invite the demons in for so long before one of them's going to say, all right, all right, all right, I'm coming in. I'm coming in. Now, they could be big demons. He's obviously got some pretty big demons, but he's a big guy, right? And you have to be very careful. These forces, whether you consider them external or psychological, these forces are nothing to screw around with. They're nothing to take lightly. They're nothing to mess with. I'll tell you, I never told this story before. I had a friend when I was younger. I don't know where his darkness came from. I really don't. But man, he was into some unbelievably dark music. Like, I've never, I think, you know, I went through a phase of listening to The Wall when I was in my traumatized teens, sort of mid-teens. 
but I've always had a very sunny taste in music for the most part. You know, Queen, uh, Christoburg, I was a big fan. I saw Christoburg a couple of times live. Great storyteller, great Irish troubadour, and a fierce defender of libel <laughs> or slander. Anyway, um, so, or yes, or, you know, bands that just, you know, very positive messages for them. I've never really been into that screaming demon rock stuff. And this guy, I remember he wanted to take me to go and see a band called King Kurt. And and he showed me that he'd, 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 he'd pushed a nail through his thumb bed. And I was like, what is going on in your life, man? Why are you pushing a nail through your... Like, he was very proud of this. Anyway, he gave me a tape. I have no idea what the band was. And the tape was an audio recreation of Hell by some band. It was, wasn't even a song, really. It was just sounds and tremors and cries and whispers and breathy wing sounds and like creepy AF, let me just tell you, like, like goosebumpy stuff, right? And again, I'm not a portal to hell kind of guy, but I remember when I was in theater school once, lying with a friend of mine, I put this tape on in a dark room. We played the tape about a minute and then we both simultaneously jumped up and unplugged the tape recorder like unplugged it like if it had played for a minute and one seconds we'd have been in real trouble i know this sounds completely ridiculous i'm aware it sounds completely ridiculous but it was incredible what an instinct we had to jump and rip or we could have been jumped and ripped i guess right that whether you consider these external or internal forces. With Johnny Depp, he had a terrible childhood. And when he was recounting his childhood, you could still see this, because I've talked about, so I have thousands of conversations with this, with people over the years, right? He was talking about his childhood. And he was still kind of half laughing. Oh, yeah, you really had to dodge my mom, that kind of stuff, right? Plus, he's got this slow speech that makes Joe Biden sound like Razor Fist. Um... But he was still laughing about his childhood, and he still had not dealt with his childhood, which is why he was still uh, doing the drugs and being the workaholic and, and the, you know, the verbal abuse that he would text his friend. I think it was Paul Bettamy. He would text his friend basically saying, you know, let's, let's kill Amber Heard. Uh, you know, let's F her until after she's dead to make sure she's dead. I hope her body turns up in the back of a Honda Civic. I'm kind of paraphrasing, but you can find these texts. So, you know, this this gentle, regretful, dithery, ponytailed, half-used car salesman grandpa thing he's got going on. No, I mean, there's a demon inside the guy. There's a devil inside the guy that is, is full of torrents of verbal abuse that he's willing to type to two friends, right? I mean, ter terrible, terrifying, horrible stuff that you would never, ever want to hear said about anyone you loved or cared about or ever want to have said about you or... Like, just appalling, appalling stuff. And so, you know, laughing a little bit about his childhood and, and all of that, you know, while he's capable of these torrents of verbal abuse, right? So his mother's still in there, right? His mother is still in there, and she's still directing the show, right? 
his mother is still in there directing the show. And I don't know what happened to his physical mother. I mean, doesn't sound like she was going to live awfully too long if she was checked into a hospital weighing 70 pounds, but... Did he, did he confront... See, the mother inside Johnny Depp, I think he viewed as an enemy. Anything that you view inside yourself as an enemy will take you over. I have an inner mother. I have an inner father. I have inner relatives. I have inner, I have inner critics. Right? Now, my inner mother, what's she there for? My inner mother is here to protect me from my external mother. And as long as my external mother is not endangering me, my inner mother is totally fine with me. Of course, right? Of course. You don't need bulletproof glass anymore when you're out of the war zone, right? So my inner mother was there to imitate my external mother in my own mind so that I could prevent myself from provoking a potentially fatal episode of child abuse. Let's not kid each other here, right? When I was little, and my mother's not a big woman, but when I was little, she was much bigger than me. I knew that she had the capacity for murderous instincts because, as I said before, she beat my head against a metal door when I was maybe three or four years old, maybe five. And yeah, I mean, that could have killed me. It could have given me brain damage, right? So I grew up with, in a sense, a thwarted maternal murderer in the environment, and that's pretty fucking dangerous to have around, right? It's very dangerous to have around. And so you internalize the predator so that you can escape the predator, right? The, the zebra internalizes the lion, knows what the lion wants, knows what the lion's about to do, and it's fleeing from its internal lion so that it doesn't get eaten by the external lion, if that makes sense, right? So if you've had an abuser in your life, then you have that, you've internalized that abuser to protect you, not just from that abuser, but from abusers as a whole. Because you figure out patterns. There's no point the zebra saying, oh yeah, I remember that one lion with the short tail that ate my son, so I'll be sure to look out for that one lion with a short tail. It's like, no, it's got to be all lions, right? Right? I mean, if you get inf an infection, you don't want your antibodies to just target one cell. You know, all those cells that, that are in the infection, right? All those bacteria or whatever, viruses. So my internal mother was there to protect me, is there to protect me, not just from my mother, but from abusers as a whole, right? Now, if I, when I was at war with my internal mother, when I feared her and felt that she was someone who needed to be suppressed because she was dangerous to me, I was victim to abusers in my life. I won't get into details. I've talked about it various times before. It's not particularly relevant. Now, one of the things that I did in therapy was turn to make friends with my inner mother and say, look, you... I'm sorry, you reminded me too much of her. I've been keeping you at bay in the way that I keep her at bay, and that's unfair because I can disassociate from her. I can't disassociate from you. You're in my head, right? And when I internalized and, and accepted, and you know, I call it the Miko system, every aspect of yourself has to have a seat at the table. Nobody gets excluded. Nobody's bad. Nobody's evil. Nobody's wrong. Everyone gets a seat at the table. Well, when I did that... <laughs> the glorious specimen of mental health, whatever, right? I mean, yeah, I got a happy marriage, became a good dad, and 
have the robust strength for some of these philosophical challenges in the world and so on, right? And, uh, you know, I've, I've navigated the thorns and, and landmines of what I've been doing with sufficient honor to gain pride, but not so much honor that I got killed. So, you know, I think that's a good, you know, it's a good middle of the road to walk, I think. I think I've gone way closer to the truth than most of my contemporaries, but not over the edge uh, to the point of self-destruction. I think that's a tough but good balance to have walked, and I'm very, very pleased with that, and I thank you all of that for staying with this journey with me. So Johnny Depp allowed his inner mother to manifest, like, you, you want to be informed by your inner mother or you want to be informed by your inner abuser, but you don't want your inner abuser to take over because that says you're still in a situation of abuse. So when Johnny Depp would pour his verbal abuse out about his wife or his ex-wife to other people in text, or we assume in, in words as well, when he would pour that out, my belief is that he was now inhabited by and manifesting, acting out his inner mother. He gave her control. Now, once you give the abuser control, rather than being informed by the abuser to give you protection, then it becomes like an autoimmune disorder. Like you want your immune system to attack, say, a virus or a foreign bacteria, not your myelin sheath, right? Not, not your internal organs, right? That's, that's bad, right? So, so if you say to yourself... I was not really that abused, or it wasn't really that bad, or this was just the times, or she did the best she could with the knowledge she had, or she had her own issues, and you know she, she was fighting her own demons. Like, if you don't just say, yeah, I was abused by an evil person, or a person at least who was evil when they abused me, right? Then your inner abuser who's trying to protect you from evil can't do it if you won't define evil, right? Your immune system gets screwed up and it can't differentiate between foreign organs and your organs, between invasions and who you are. If it can't define danger, it attacks you. And this is why removing, like getting rid of the definition of evil leads us to be helpless before encroachments on our liberties. And so I listened to Johnny Depp's testimony about his mother Never called her evil. Never called his father evil. He said his father, the only criticisms he really had were, he described the behavior of his mother as abusive. But he only had pejoratives really for his father. So he called his father weak and cowardly and well, for getting out when he did, whatever, right? Okay, so he's not been able to deline delineate evil in his mind. And the only thing that he was able to call negative was this primitive ape-like thing called being weak. But that doesn't mean anything, really. Sometimes you are weak, and it's prudence to run away, right? So he who fights and runs away lives to fight another day. So he doesn't have, and I assume because of his irreligiosity and the lack of spread of UPB, because the atheists would tear them away from their mechanical meat mother called the state, he doesn't have a definition of evil. Because he doesn't have a definition of evil, he has no defense against evil. Because he hasn't allowed his inner mother to tell him exactly what 
it's protecting him or trying to protect him against. Like I saw this video. Jada Pinkett Smith has a, is it a podcast? There's video involved too. And there was this yeah, pretty heroic black guy who was talking about how, you know, if a woman's just there pushing your buttons, pushing your buttons, that's really bad and you shouldn't allow that. And all the women like, no, whoa, whoa, whoa there, big fella. No, 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 no. It's not our job to not push your buttons. It's your job to be grown up and mature enough to not let your buttons get pushed, huh? And they're high-fiving each other and it's like, okay, it's straight up gaslighting and allowing you to verbally abuse. Of course you have buttons. Everyone has buttons. Somebody's banging your buttons like some hyperactive guy playing a combination of cocaine squash and punching a wall-sized Chinese typewriter on your buttons, yeah, that's, that's on them. You know, you, you love someone, you get close to them, of course you know they have buttons. You know what their buttons are. You know how to activate them. So you don't do it. You know, if your kid has a bruise that's really painful, do you just dig your thumb in and say, hey, it's your job not to feel hurt? No, you don't. Why? Because you're not an asshole. At least I hope you're not. And so, and again, I'm paraphrasing, you can look this up, but no, it's straight up gaslighting. I mean, if I say something that really wounds you, that's your fault for not being mature enough. Right. This is Jada Pinkett Smith, who gave the eye of Sauron triple laser death cannon to Aldebaran stare at Will Smith when Chris Rock made a joke comparing her to a beautiful movie star. Oh, yeah, she totally, you know, just rose above that and was totally fine with it. No. No, no, no. A thousand times no. You've got to become friends with the aspects of you that were there to protect you. And don't mistake the shadow of your abuser that's there to protect you from your abuser, from your actual abuser. Don't mistake the two. Because if you recoil and are afraid of your inner abuser who's there to protect you from your outer abuser, you'll always be vulnerable to outer abusers. Because he's your defense. She's your defense. My inner mother is my defense against the world. If I hadn't become friends with my inner mother, I wouldn't have become a great father. Couldn't have happened. It's too much juggling. It's kind of exhausting too, right? I mean, they're there to help stop fighting them. So he married his mother and hers. Well, no, here's the thing though, right? Here's the thing. So I'm not blaming him. I don't know, right? But we don't want to just say that he married his mother in hurt. Okay, I haven't talked about this for a while. It's in my free book, Real-Time Relationships. It's called Simon the Boxer. Okay, Simon the Boxer. Why does, why does a man named Simon, why, why does he become a boxer? He would want to go and get punched all day, right? Why? Well, when Simon was a little boy, he was punched by his father or his mother repeatedly. For anything, everything. He couldn't predict where the punches were coming from. He couldn't predict how hard they would be. He couldn't predict what would cause them. But they would come, randomly. So he had no sense of control or independence or authority in that situation. No sense of security, no sense of safety. He could not control the blows that landed on him. 
What's the only thing that he could do that gave him any sense of control at all? Any sense of control at all. He could not control the blows. The only thing he can control is his reaction to the blows. Managing his reaction to the blows is the only sense of control that he has. Screw you, hit me again, I don't care. Screw you, I'll get my revenge. Screw you, I'll do badly in school. Screw you, I'll pee the bed. Managing the reaction to the blows is the only sense of control that he has in this world. When Simon grows up and becomes a free man, an adult, he feels a terrible sense of crippling anxiety. Because the only control that he knows, the only sense of security and predictability that he knows is in his reaction to violence. So then he sees boxing match on TV. And he's like, I've got to try that. And he goes into the boxing ring. Someone hits him. But he knows how to deal with that because he had 15, 20 years of learning how to deal with that. Blow lands him. Didn't even see it coming. But he knows how to handle it. He bounces right back. Fuck you, I'll, I'll hit back. And now he's back in his comfort zone. Now he's back in control of his life. Because controlling his responses to violence is the only security he's ever been trained or learned how to achieve. So, the reason I'm saying this is, like, does not take any genius psychologist or student of human nature to recognize that there are more than coincidental similarities between Johnny Depp's mother and Johnny Depp's last wife. No question. Now, if you contribute to the immoralities of this world, I'm telling you, oh my God, am I telling you, and you shouldn't believe me because I've told you all that I have seen it so many times now, it's ridiculous. Look in your own life, look in your own heart, give me examples of the text. If you contribute to the evils of this world, my friend, you will find a way to punish yourself. If you contribute to the evils of this world, you will find a way to punish yourself. Johnny Depp glamorized abuse, decadence, drugs, alcoholism, corruption, vampires. Did Johnny Depp use his unbelievable talents to contribute to the goods and virtues? No. He, flew, he, he flowed massive profits into the coffers and wallets of some deeply immoral people. Did he, and, and he, who did he worship? Hunter S. Thompson? A linguistically gifted, vile drug addict from hell? That was his big project, was to team up with another actor and do Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. A monstrous book. Even The Great Shark Hunt is a monstrous book. I had a friend in, in, uh, of mine in university who was, Obsessed with Hunter S. Thompson. It was a monstrous influence on him. Terrible, horrifying. It is, of course, entirely possible that Amber Heard came into the relationship already like Johnny Depp's mother, but she's so much like Johnny Depp's mother, he may have fashioned her into his own punishment for his own sins.
and this happens way more often than you'd think. When I see a man suffering through his own choices, my first thought, I invite you to take this perspective. It's not perfect, but it's a damn good place to start. When I see a man or a woman suffering through his own choices, I say to myself, damn, what did he do that he genuinely believes he deserves this as a sentence? What has he done that is willing to punish himself this much for? The idea that Amber Heard could keep her, if she's crazy, right? That the idea that she could keep her craziness bottled up for a year to a year and a half with no slippage? Come on. Johnny Depp is a genius at analyzing human nature. You can't be a good actor if you can't analyze human nature. Johnny Depp is a genius at analyzing human nature. That's why he plays such a variety of roles. And he is a bit of a chameleon that way, right? From Willy Wonka to his more straight-line roles to Edward Scissorhands to Don Juan de Marcos or whatever, right? So the idea that one of the most brilliant plungers and plunderers of the depths of the human psyche had no idea that this was a potentially dangerous woman? Come on. And of course, the other reason as well is that he's surrounded by people who didn't warn him, or if they did warn him, he didn't listen. What is he punishing himself for? It's the same thing with Marlon Brando, who got to be like, what, 400 pounds? What is he punishing himself for? Marlon Brando said acting is an empty and useless profession. What was he punishing himself for? Well, Marlon Brando was punishing himself for being perhaps one of the worst celebrity fathers in the history of the known universe, including Freddie Prince's dad. For contributing to the catastrophic destruction of Western values in the 60s and 70s. He had a lot to answer for, and he ended up answering for it. What is... Robert De Niro, broke, having to work his ass off in his 70s, divorced. What is he being punished for? Well, again, wholesale destruction of Western values and putting massive profits into the coffers of some very evil people. Not everyone who suffers is being punished. Some of it is bad luck. But when you see someone whose voluntary choices lead them to intense suffering, what are they being punished for? Now, this is not to say that there are not heroic men and women who take on massive suffering in order to help exonerate the world. Jesus, Socrates, Aristotle, Plato, you name it, right? That's different. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this sordid shit where Johnny Depp is, including, is accusing Amber Heard of putting shit in their marital bed. 
And she said, oh, well, it came from the dogs. He's like, we have two teacup Yorkies. They weigh four pounds a piece. There's no way this shit could come from them. The Me Poo movement, right? This sordid shit. And because he didn't clean up his own life, because she didn't clean up his own life, we're now all being dragged through the mud, but at least their mud, their shit, can be instructive. Please, please be aware for my Christian friends, it's after death. For my atheist friends, you don't have to wait that long. Life is long. Life is long. I have seen the ark. I have seen the ark of my youthful friends. I'm old enough now. I've seen them. Not one of them got away who did wrong. Not one. They're all suffering in one form or another. And I think by all reports, Johnny Depp was with this French woman for quite a long time. She said he was wonderful, never violent, never problematic, never aggressive. So he left that and he went to Amber Heard. Or, you know, I mean, some dating in between, right? Amber Heard, didn't she date Elon Musk for about six minutes? <laughs> I mean, you know, an engineer can very quickly see which machines are very high maintenance. So... Be aware of this in your own life, but scan it for yourself. You know, you can let me know. Just email me, host at freedomain.com. You can just email me, let me know the stories if you have them, or stories that contradict the idea. But my mother did not escape the punishment for what she did. Never charged, never convicted. But she never escaped the punishment for what she did. My father never escaped the punishment for what he did. Johnny Depp, the price of collapsing culture, helping to fund evildoers, and avoiding the delineation of abuse. Imagine how much good he could have done if he'd made one movie about his childhood. Honest movie about his childhood. Imagine how much good he could have done. He would never have been under the grip of Amber Heard then. But no, he's got to make fucking pirates of the who cares. He's swashbuckling. No. He distracted the world from child abuse. He distracted himself from child abuse. And this is the price. All that fame, all that money, all that power. He couldn't make on one honest movie. No, he's got to play FBI agents and young lovers and children of fat women. And You know, it's just, it's sad. It's really sad. There, there, there's no, it's not a, even a karma thing. We're universalizing in nature, and the more we, we break universalization to protect our own immoralities, the more we crack the world, the less we can see, the more isolated we become. And it's a long time to live in hell before nature takes you away. My mother has been in hell, alive, for about 40 years. 40 years alone. I mean, I'm the person she probably wronged the most. And I wouldn't wish that on her. I don't wish that on her. I wish that she did not have that life. I wish that there was something that I could do to change that for her. And I tried for many, many years to change that for her. But 
the Christians, God bless you, please, you, you are so right about this, I can't even tell you that. Without redemption, nothing is possible. Without repentance, nothing is possible. Without acknowledgement, nothing is possible. My mother would rather live in hell than tell the truth. Because lying is hell. My guess is that once you've done the kind of wrong that can't be undone, there's no restitution that's possible, and I'd never take any restitution from my child. I'm at peace with it, but I'd never take any restitution. Nobody said, oh, if I gave you $10 million, would you be happy to have the child that you had? It's like, no, absolutely not. Don't give me, there's no amount of money. Maybe Bitcoin. No, <laughs> but, yeah, tell the truth, do good, fight evil, stay safe. Because it turns out, even if you make a billion dollars and you're one of the most famous men on the planet, handsome, talented, famous as all get up. If you've been inviting these demons for long enough, they just come through that door. They don't even ring. They just come right through that door and you can't stop them. Yeah, don't be in that boat, man. The platform tells me I must end. Freedomain.com forward slash donate. Really would appreciate your help in getting the finances of the show back up and running again. I would really appreciate that. Thank you so much. And I will have an exciting announcement over the next little while. Lots of love from up here. Take care, my friends. Well, thank you so much for enjoying this latest free domain show on philosophy. And I'm going to be frank and ask you for your help, your support, your encouragement, and your resources. Please like, subscribe, and share, and all of that good stuff to get philosophy out into the world. And also, equally importantly, go to freedomain.com forward slash donate to help out the show, to give me the resources that I need to bring more and better philosophy to an increasingly desperate world. So thank you so much for your support, my friends. Freedomain.com forward slash donate.